Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Amen, amen. Good morning, North family. Good to be with you this morning. Hey, we want to pray for our kids and dismiss them to the classes. So if you're a student or uh, getting ready to leave for classes, why don't you stand really fast? We want to pray for you guys. And so let's just put our hands out toward them and just commission them for this time. Father, we thank you for these students Uh, They are not just uh, the church of the future. They are the church of today. And so we pray that today is going to spend time um, with their friends or peers, learning, listening to your word, that you would grow in them uh, a great hunger and appetite to not just live for you and to love you, but to help others come to find you as Savior. So we send them off with a blessing in Jesus' name. We all said together, Amen. amen. Thank you, students. Uh, there comes a moment, probably multiple moments, in a uh, child and parent relationship, especially in the preteen and teen years, where uh, there is a temporary forgetting of who you're talking to. <laughs> we all had them, right? We had them when we were kids and teens, and if you have kids and teens, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where all of a sudden, uh, the conversation from the child to the parent All of a sudden, whether there's a sense of entitlement, a tone, disrespect, demands, you know, some sort of unrealistic expectations, all these things flow out, and uh, some parents will choose to just graciously let that go in the moment. Some parents are going to address it, but whether spoken or unspoken, there's a moment in the parent's life where we're going, I think you forgot who you're talking to. And then sometimes it might be followed by some reminders about privileges, not rights, and, um, you know, the provision of the family and the the love relationship and respect and all those things. But uh, whenever that happens, uh, the felt closeness of that parent-child relationship doesn't feel so good in that moment. Because the reality is, when we were kids, when we were teens, and all of a sudden we just kind of put our entitled expectations upon our parents, um, there was a moment where we kind of did forget who we're talking to a little bit. And it temporarily negatively impacts the relationship between the parent and the child. The ironic thing is, I think we really do the same thing with God. Whenever we pray, I think there are times where we momentarily forget who we're talking to. And sometimes we come to God with a sense of entitlement or demands or expectations or, or we're just you know, griping about what uh, we're not happy about in life or what he's doing or not doing in our life. And there's this kind of temporary amnesia about who we are talking to. And in that moment, there's a temporary disruption in the closeness that we feel with God in our prayer lives. So how do we prevent that from happening? How do we come to God uh, more consistently remembering who we are speaking with when we come in prayer? Well, I would encourage you, in fact, I'd highly recommend that you make sure that when you are praying to God, that you not only include, but a lot of times start with praise and with thanksgiving. Because if we don't, a lot of times we just risk uh, gravitating back toward a very self-centered mindset, self-focused time in our prayer. We start to think that we're the ruler of our universe. We start to think everything continues to revolve around us, and we forget who we're talking to. But if we start our prayer time, especially with praise and thanksgiving, we sort of head that off at the pass. 
And every follower of a Christ really should include praise in their conversations with God because it reminds us who we're talking to and how good he is. See, praising God in prayer will absolutely transform your communication with God and it will transform your relationship with God. And that's what we want to talk about today. So let's pray and dive in. Father, we do come before you this morning. And just as we've sang, just as we've declared, you're a holy God, you're a righteous God, you're a sovereign God, you have all wisdom, you have all power, you have all authority, you have all understanding. And we confess that there are times that we kind of have spiritual amnesia and forget that. And it's very evident in how we come to you in our prayer life. Father, forgive us for sometimes uh, and often actually reducing our prayer life to just a wish list of what we expect you to do, what we feel entitled to from you. And Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive today from your word, how we can enhance and enrich our prayer life and the way we approach you more often. And so uh, you have our attention Feed us, grow us, change us today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Last week, we kicked off a series talking about authentic prayer. And we talked about how authentic prayer is vertical, not horizontal. We talked about how it's more private than public. Both are present, right? And we talked about it being mindful, not mechanical. And we talked about prayer being um, about connection, not just communication, We're going to pick up where we left off last week, returning to a portion of a message Jesus gave to thousands of people on a hillside in the region of Galilee right around 30 AD, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're focusing on what Jesus said about prayer and learning from his instructions. And we're going to be focusing on a section of that Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is giving specific instructions about prayer. So I encourage you to open back up your Bibles or fire up your Bible apps to the book of Matthew in your Bible. We're in chapter 6. If you do not own a physical Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift. Stop by the Information Center, pick up one. If you are hearing about Bible apps, but you don't know which ones are good to you know, download and use, there's a few that, on the screen there that we recommend that are good um, for Bible teaching. And we're going to re-engage Matthew chapter 6 again, this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at verses 9 through 13, and here's what Jesus says. He says, pray then like this, right? Uh, last week we talked about uh, how Jesus said, don't pray like these other people. Don't pray like the hypocrites, and there was a litany of lists. You can go back and listen to that message or go back and read those verses to see that. But he's saying here in verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're already familiar with this portion of scripture as a follower of Christ. But we're going to be hanging out in these verses for the next few weeks. And just kind of wringing them out, you know, really trying to, maximize their understanding of what Jesus was saying about how to pray. And so today, we're going to focus uh, on what he said in these verses. And when we look at these verses, you see four themes kind of jump out of this well-known prayer. 
And the themes are praise, they are repentance, they are asking, and then it is yielding. That makes up the acronym PRAY. Some of you are familiar already with this acronym, and so we're going to revisit it for those of us who know it, or we're going to bring it onto you know, our radar for those of us who may not. And so these four themes, praise, repentance, asking, yielding, these are the themes, but today we're going to focus on the letter P for praising. Look again at Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to unpack this a little bit, okay? Jesus says, pray like this. That like this is one word in the Greek, it's autu, and it means in this manner, in this way, like this. Jesus was not giving his disciples a script. He was not giving them an incantation. When he said, pray like this, he said it that way. He didn't say, pray these words exactly. He's basically saying, this is how you are to pray, not what you are to pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying these words. There's nothing wrong with taking these words and making them your own in prayer and praying what's known as uh, the Lord's Prayer. That's perfectly fine. But in reality, what Jesus was doing was he was providing a pattern. He was providing a model. He was providing an example, not a script. And so the opening of this prayer pattern reminds us of whom we're approaching when we pray, the kind of God to whom we are praying to. Well, what kind of God? Well, we proceed, you know. It's this right here, our Father. Jesus helps us know that God relates to us in a fatherly way, and we can approach him as a child does with their father. Now, we know that every time we start to associate God as father and we talk about that relationship of a child to a father, it triggers many thoughts and feelings for a lot of us related to our flawed earthly fathers. Now, some of you might have had amazing dads. And so maybe your father did a great job. Maybe he was a great example of a godly man, godly husband, godly father. And you need to celebrate that because a lot of us don't have that type of thought life when it comes to our fathers and our lives, self-included, okay? So when we think about God as Father, we're thinking about the perfect Father. We're thinking about a Father that does not abandon, He does not abuse, He's not distant, He's not preoccupied, uh, He's not absent. He's a perfect Father, always there, always knows best, always has love and our best interest at heart when we engage Him as Father. So when we think Father here, we think a perfect Father. And then the instruction here to pray to God as our Father is supposed to convey the authority, the warmth, and the intimacy of a loving Father's care. So followers of Jesus are invited into the intimacy of God the Son with His Father by also calling God our Father. We're addressing God personally on that level. And notice it's not my Father, it's not the Father, it's our Father. This is a collective, joyful, relational plurality of followers of Christ coming to God as our Father in a loving, warm way. And so we pray to a God who's close. He's fatherly. He wants that intimacy with us. Yet, 
He is so much more than that, right? He's beyond us. He's transcendent. It's our Father in heaven. And when we say in heaven, we're not just talking about the sky. We're not just talking about the universe. We're talking about the dwelling place of God somewhere out there beyond our understanding and access at this point. He's our Father in heaven. And so this phrase in heaven reminds us that not only is God our Father, but He's transcendent. And when you hear that word transcendent, remember it means beyond normal, beyond natural or ordinary. It's superior, it's supreme. And so addressing God as one who's in heaven reminds us that God is the rightful, holy, worthy, sovereign ruler of all of creation. Uh, We've talked about this before. There's many times that we'll have those aha moments where we're uh, freshly reminded how big God is because of how big creation is. We think about the sunsets, the sunrises, the birth of a child. We think about uh, the vastness of the stars on a clear, dark night. Uh, For some of you, if you've been paying attention, over the last couple years, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope was sent into space. And it started sending back pictures over the last couple years. Here you have this new, you know, designed telescope launched into space that uses infrared, you know, technology to get way more detail, uh, way more understanding of what's being looked at. It's only, like they're talking about, this telescope is only looking at something about the size of a grain of rice at arm's length. And it's just taking incessant photos of uh, what it's seen out there. And it's, it's way superior than the previous pictures we had from the Hubble telescope. And some of you have seen these pictures. These are galaxies. Like just galaxies out there. Beyond counting, beyond imagination. There's pictures of, uh, high definition pictures of nebulas. And just seeing all the textures and the, the galaxies, the nuances of the, of the nebulas. These are coming, these are actual photos coming back from the telescope. And we're just reminded how vast and how big God is. This is our Father who's in heaven. He's creator of all that amazes us. And sometimes we're guilty of being more amazed about the creation than the actual one who created it. Sometimes we're more in awe about the creation than the one who created it. And so we come to God, we we don't come casually, we don't come flippantly. We don't come recklessly before a holy God who made all that we know and all that we don't know about. Because every time we look in a microscope or a telescope, we basically say, wow, God. That's the God that we come to in prayer. And we're reminded because of how big he is that it's an awesome privilege. It's a head-scratching, awesome privilege to be able to come to this God in prayer. We're also reminded about what has happened to make that possible. There's there's a general sense in which all people can come to God in prayer, but then there's this honed, focused, intense way in which followers of Christ, with, with our theological understanding and our newness in Christ, get to come to God the Father, and we're reminded of how that was made possible. Because our sin is a barrier to be able to come to God. How does a sinful, rebellious creature approach a holy, perfect God? We can't just walk up and give God a high five, like, hey, big guy, what's up, you know? 
It always cracks me up when you look at celebrities and athletes and, you know, they're, they're given the microphone and, and they're kind of like, well, I just want to give a shout out to the big guy for endowing me with these amazing talents. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> if you could just hear yourself right now. He's so much more than the big guy. He's so much more than the, the man upstairs. He's this amazing God that we can't just approach. And because that sin was a barrier and God's going, you can't get rid of the barrier. No good works, no religious activity is going to remove the barrier. Only I can remove the barrier. And so we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We celebrate the absolute perfect life, flawless life, sinless life that he lived that allowed him to be qualified as God, 100% God, 100% man, to go to the cross where he allowed, right? Jesus wasn't murdered. He sacrificed. He gave his life. He allowed his creation to nail him to the cross is the only one qualified to be a perfect sin substitute to satisfy God's aimed wrath at our sinfulness. And so it's because of the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ that ripped the veil in the temple. In the Jewish temple, there was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, from just the holies and all the outer courts. And no one could go through that veil except one guy once a year. And he better be on good behavior and all ready to go and listen to all the rules because it could cost him his life if he's not. And that veil between the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, and the rest was ripped and we now have access because of Christ. And so we're reminded of what we see in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 2.18 says, For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. And so the we who has access are those people who've bowed their knees, bowed their hearts, repented, come to Christ, surrendered their lives to Christ. And so I hope all of you who have given your lives to Christ, surrendered your lives to Christ, are appreciating the fact that we get to come to this Father who's in heaven. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you can today. You just have to admit that you're a sinner and that you can't rescue yourself from your own sin. You have to transfer your trust from yourself and your works or whatever else you're trusting. You have to transfer it to Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. You have to transfer. You have to believe in who Christ is and what he did. And then you have to commit your life to following Jesus. Like all these stories of I prayed a prayer when I was four and I'm good. Like you can't really buy into that. You commit your life to following Jesus. And so if you've never done that, would you consider that today? Would you take that to heart? Would you soberly understand that without receiving the gift of Christ, like your soul's in jeopardy and your life will always feel unfulfilling no matter how much you have, no matter what you accomplish, you're always chasing to scratch that itch of satisfaction deep in your soul that will never get scratched outside of an intimate relationship with this one who made you. And so if you, if you need that today, if you want to talk about that today, after the service, some of us are going to be available over here on the left just to talk, help you understand, help you take those next steps, whatever you need. Or there's a card in front of you, and you can write down your contact information and say, I want to talk more about relationship with Christ. We'd love to tell you more and help you understand. And so we come to this 
Our Father who's in heaven, how big he is, and how we've been given access to him. And Jesus tells us, this is how you start the conversation, but then what do you do with it from there? He answers it, right? Hallowed be your name. Okay, pray then like this. Here's a model. Our Father, here's an intimate access point, an intimate relationship, who's in heaven. He's so much more beyond you. What do we do with this? Hallowed be your name. Reminded of a story of a little girl who's talking with her mom in the kitchen. And she said, Mommy, I know, Dad, I know God's name. Really? What's his name? Howard. Why do you think his name's Howard? Well, every time we're in church, we say, Howard be his name. <laughs> we obviously know that's not what hallowed means. Hallowed is not a word that we typically throw around, right? Um, we don't typically use that in our vernacular today. What does hallowed mean? Well, hallowed is the Greek word hagiazo. That means holy. It means set apart. It means to ultimately honor. So when we say that God's name is hallowed, we are acknowledging and proclaiming that God's name is set apart. It's holy. It's treated with the highest honor that God's name would be praised. See, God's name speaks to his identity, his character, his actions. So whether we're saying Yahweh or Jehovah or God, when we speak about God, there's something holy about that. And we know that Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection, and, and the fact of who he is, his name is even the name above all names. That's why when we're in a conversation, or when we're mad, or uh, we're watching a show, and someone says God's name in vain, or takes Jesus' name in vain, there's something disturbed in our spirit. And if you think about it, they don't use anyone else's name. When's the last time you've been in a conversation and someone was really torqued and like, oh, Buddha? <laughs> Doesn't happen, right? But why? I mean, think about that. Why is the, the, the one name, the one being that's always grasped at when someone is so fierce and so mad, they take it and trash it through the mud? We've all done it, right? We've all been there in that moment when we said maybe those terms. It's because it's the highest name. There's nothing higher. There's nothing greater. It's a hallowed name. It's a set-apart name. It's a holy name. And we have access freely, lovingly to this great being. It's a hallowed name, a holy name, a set-apart name. And so the reality is that God and his name are already holy. They're already set apart. So when we praise God, we're not making his name holy. We're acknowledging that his name already is holy. Hallowed be your name. Therefore, when we come to God in prayer again, we're not flippant, we're not mindless, we're not prideful. We come recognizing who we're talking to. The holy one, the good one the righteous one, the perfect one, the redeeming one, the glorious one, the mighty one. When we are hallowing the Lord, we're praising him for what's true of him and what's true of his character and his nature and for what he's done. And when we praise God and we lift him up, we're saying that he's exalted and that he's worthy of our full devotion to him. 
every day of our lives. Therefore, we begin our prayers lifting up God. We enter into the conversation praising God for who He is, what's true of Him, and for His nature, and for what He's done, thanking Him. Praise and thanksgiving. That's the best way to start a prayer. I don't know about you, every now and then, um, you know, my kids have and still do, like the phone will ring, or they'll just come, you know, barging into the room, and it's like, hey, Dad, I need, and it fills in the blank, right? Hey, Dad, can I get? Sometimes I'm a little snarky. I'm like, hello, Dad. How are you doing today? How's your day going? Because it doesn't feel good just to be barged in on all of a sudden, like, here's what I want from you. It feels much better when there's, you know, hey, Dad, there's some acknowledgement, there's some relational interaction. So when we enter into praise of God, that's what we're entering into. We lift Him up and we interact with Him in a relational way. Uh, look at Psalm 104 and 5 on the screen. Here's an example of what that sounds like, looks like. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Is that praise, yes or no? Yeah. That's just like full throttle praise right there. And by the way, if you haven't learned this yet, I highly recommend you start learning how to convert prayers or uh, verses like this into prayers. If you, if you read a passage of Scripture and then launch into prayer from that Scripture, it's like God is shaping the conversation because He's the first one to speak. And so here's what taking Psalm 100 would look like if we made it a personal prayer. We would say, Lord, I enter your presence with thanksgiving and praise. I give thanks to you. I bless your name. For you are good, your steadfast love endures forever, and your faithfulness to all generations. And you, you personalize it. You can do that with so many of scriptures. It's a beautiful way to engage God as you come to him and try to praise him. But how else? How else can you kind of train yourself to praising God? Well, here's just a few practical ideas if you're having a hard time. One is make a list of God's characteristics and meditate on them. Just pause. 20 seconds. Pen and paper or a little note on your phone. What, what, what's true about God? He's holy. He's redeeming, he's loving, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's just, he's ever-present. Just jot down a few things and then just say those things back to him. God, thank you that you are. God, I praise you for being ever-present, holy, righteous, sovereign. That, that can jumpstart you. Uh, read a scripture that speaks about or helps you praise God, right? Just like we did. Read a psalm, read a song of praise and let that kind of set the tone for what you're about to do. Uh, you can sing a song of praise. Uh, I, I love to just listen to songs. I lift up God, and next thing I know, it's contagious, and I find myself praising God because many, many of the songs that are written by men and women of faith help us, you know, they help carry us to the Lord and help praise Him. Maybe list some specific ways He's shown His love and goodness in your life, right? Specific provisions, blessings, answered prayers. And when we begin our prayers with praise, we acknowledge who God is and express our adoration for Him based on those things. Those are just some practical ways to jumpstart that praise if you need help. Uh, I just want to rapid fire just, just to kind of lean into that even more. Like, what does this look like? What does this sound like? How do we do this? I'm just going to rapid fire some verses, all right? They're on the screen. Just listen to the spirit of these scriptures. Psalm 150. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath, what are the next words? Praise the Lord. Right. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Him, Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of what? Praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Did you catch that? What does that sound like? It sounds like hallowed be your name. The fruit of our lips giving praise. Psalm 34, 1-3, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall sometimes be in my mouth. Just seeing, just checking, all right? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Isaiah 25, 1. Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I'll praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. Psalm 63. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will what? praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 145, 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. I need more of that in my prayer life. I need to start most of my prayers. God welcomes our unfiltered, raw, unprepared thoughts, right? He's our father. It's not like if you ever say, God, I need you. He's like, time out. You didn't say, hey, Dad. There's times when we cry out to him in pain, anguish, and desperation, and we don't kind of use a guide like pray. But for the most part, this is super helpful to us. It helps us remember who we're talking to. Beginning our conversation with God and praise to him turns off the focus of our prayerfulness around ourselves turns on the focus of God. Don't forget, when we pray, He's the focus. It's about Him. That's why we're coming to Him. It's not about us. And so our prayers are first about Him, His holiness, His work, His plans in the world. And so Jesus taught us to begin our prayers by recognizing the God to whom we're praying to. He's a divine and holy God, so far beyond us, and at the same time, a loving Father who invites us into his presence. God genuinely cares for you. He wants you to come to him intimately, often, raw, unhindered. But he also wants you to come with respect. And gratitude and thanksgiving and awe and worship. And so if we don't come to God in praise, we risk forgetting who God is. And we are in danger of drifting back into theological beliefs, thinking or acting like we're the center of the universe. Let me ask you this. If you were to take all the prayers that you've prayed in the last year of your life 
and put them into one of two buckets. And one bucket says, my will be done. And the other bucket says, thy will be done. Where would most of your prayers fall? God, you exist so that my will be done. That's why I have this list of demands from you. Verse, I exist so thy will be done. And so I'm laying these requests, I'm I'm laying these pains, I'm laying these hopes before you, but ultimately it's about you. I think all of us could admit that our prayers could all use a little adjustment, amen? All of us. But if we come to God in praise and thanksgiving, we're going to have a more intimate and humble relationship with God. We're going to feel more connected, we're going to feel more grateful, and we're going to remember a little bit more who we're talking to. So my hope today is that with all that you've heard, you'll come to this understanding and this conclusion with me that praising God in prayer will absolutely transform your communication with God and your relationship with God. Now, we don't do this all the time, but every now and then we do this. We're going to do it this morning. What I'd like you to do is we're going to spend about a minute or so or two in some small huddles. I want you to be in groups of three to four people, okay? So just turn here in a minute to the people around you, next to you. Here's the question I'm going to have you guys talk about here in a second. What did you hear today that was most helpful to you? Okay? So right now, just turn, get with two, three other people, and just answer that question. What did you hear today that you found most helpful for you? Go. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to stay in your huddles, but I'd like you to transition to a prayer time together. So each huddle is praying. Pray as the Lord leads, but please try to go after this. How would you answer this question? Lord, we praise you for. And then just like rapid fire sentences, thoughts, whatever happens, just kind of hang out there in that space, all right? Lord, we praise you for, have that prayer time in your huddles, okay? Go. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart, exalted, is your name. Father, you are God of the universe. You're God of every little galaxy that glimmers in the horizon and even beyond our ability to see. Every law of the universe, every molecule, every atom, you spoke into existence. None of them would be if it wasn't for you and your power. Every cell in our body was made by you, designed by you. Every fingerprint of every person the demonstration of your handiwork, every nuance, every personality, every ability, skill, every passion you put in our hearts, it all comes from you. It's from you. You're holy. You're God. We lift you up. God, I pray that our hearts would be moved today in such a way that we would never dare again spend time in prayer without praising you thanking you, acknowledging who you are, acknowledging what you've done. Help us to grow in this place. May our prayers be forever different.
once we get a hold of who you are and how glorious your name is. And may our lips exalt the Lord forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said together. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.